Hey guys, this is Reagan and Aisha talking about, among other things, the headhunters of Borneo, who were a pretty ferocious lot, as tribes usually tend to be for whatever reason best known to them. But these guys used to collect the skulls of those they defeated in battle and regard them as trophies of war. And they would festoon them over their, I suppose, dwelling places or meeting halls, that sort of thing. But um, Aisha has some pretty interesting tales to tell about a trip she once took to these tribal areas in Borneo. So over to her. We actually saw headhunting in Borneo. Like obviously they didn't kill anybody in front of us, but we went to the, one of these remote tribes in Borneo. And there are a couple okay. of tribes there. Like one is uh, one is Ibang, which are like uh, you know the very fierce people, and they're known for their textiles and you know weaves. So I I was working at uh, NID at that point of time, the National Institute of Design in Ahmedabad. I was working as an editor there. and uh, uh one of the staff members like she was a professor of textile design who was working with me and she kind of like requested me that if you're going to if you're going to sarawak please uh, bring me a small piece of uh iban handloom like you know like just get a piece so i said okay you know if i go there and if we go to one of these so they're called long houses okay they they are like really really long houses built on built on bamboo and they're built on stilts and uh, one corner of the house there uh, i mean it was just a dark room and uh, there were skulls you know like literally skulls okay. a net like a fishing net kind of a thing and it was just hanging from one corner of the room and uh, <laughs> and uh, obviously a bit spooky but i knew that the head hunting yeah. happened in borneo so i asked the guy and he was like his uh, his grandfather had collected the skulls he was a head of the tribe and when they had a fight with another another tribe uh, they okay. would obviously kill the people and stuff and there was a bit of cannibalism as well and uh, it was it was a matter of privilege to eat the you know the men flesh or whatever it is you know <laughs> and, and so they kind of like and there were skulls of babies and everyone so, and and they would like collect the skulls and uh, keep them as trophies like okay like it's like how people hunt used to hunt tigers and you know <laughs> keep those as uh, trophies at home the mounds and all it's the same like you know they yeah, yeah. as trophies I... as, as, as trophies at home so it was it was fun like <laughs> You know, I know this. This is this is spooky, as you said. But the the whole concept of uh, taking trophies of well, um, I know we are sort of going into a slightly, you know, uh, how do you say, a Jack Sparrow kind of direction. But taking trophies is something that has even the Native Americans they had this thing called scalping, which is well, uh, try not to kind of dwell on the details or picture it in your mind, but. uh the enemies with their tomahawks they would uh, slice the top part of the skull with hair attached and nail it to their tp t e e p e e like like tp yeah, in the their, in their case is not time pass but it is, it is their tent you know <laughs> and even then and the, now you might think that oh this is like you know these uh, tribal people and native americans and borneo tribals and all that but even as far as world war 2 uh, which is like well you know and and uh, not 
in the german uh, theater european theater but rather in the uh, pacific uh, again borneo around that that side of the world the us marines used to take uh, skulls of japanese soldiers and use them as like you know paperweights or something and bones and skulls and it it's basically a function of the dehumanization of warfare which you know things like see there are all kinds of base instincts right that that we humans have and base instincts is not a bad thing for example love is a base instinct uh, you know and that's wonderful affection is a base instinct caring nurturing they're all base instincts you know um but then so on the other hand is the negative side of things like aggression and um uh, you know all of that sort of thing you know um, fear fear yes fear and I and this kind of goes into that 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 zone you know i mean ask any i mean i'm just saying off the top of my head but an anthropology student will be able to elaborate far better far more eloquently but this is in a nutshell what it is so that's why these borneo tribals probably do that it was sort of like a yeah it's like how it was like a victory trophy for them yeah, you know yeah. that's like, what they call it they call it trophies and then the which which doctor would like come and bless the uh, so they take it out like uh, they have a remembrance day kind of a thing and like an all souls day kind of a thing and then they kind of take take them out wash them clean them up pray yeah. Yeah. You know, pray for their souls, yeah. kind of thing, and then yeah. put them back again. <laughs> so, you know what's funny, Asha, is that not many people even know about this because yeah, maybe, yeah, I mean, it is, it is like on the gory side, you know. But then again, it's hey, I mean, it's 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 what happened, you know. You can't just like it's not all Disneyland, you know. I'm saying it's it's not like that. <laughs> you know? I mean, but I, I actually I, I read that it happened in Nagaland as well, you know, the Indian yeah. Northeast. ट the the visual idea of skulls uh why sh- why why has it been used as in this case you know trophy taking or in certain heavy metal bands even mm-hmm. you will find skulls crossbones pirate yeah. flags skull yeah. and crossbones i mean what's with this what's with this whole iconography of the skull for example iron maiden mm-hmm. their um their uh, their mascot is called vic like Uh, rhymes with big you know the pen brand but this is like different this is b b for victory i for india c for constantinople which it's basically a sort of you know seemingly scary looking figure with a gigantic skull and uh, you know very accentuated kind of teeth and fangs and all it's all over the internet you might have seen someone with a t-shirt with it some point of time in college yeah and we'll get to that in just a moment because um, uh one of the guitarists of iron maiden yanik gurs has spoken um to uh, to us and um, he's got a couple of interesting things to say um it was recollections of uh, one of what he considers to be uh, one of their strongest albums um in years because of their um 
their philosophy of making each album different from the previous one but retaining a certain quality so that their old time fans will not feel like this is something totally different from what they've done and will also appeal to a younger audience Hey guys, it's Regan and Aisha back on Tidy Bites. So, moving on from Tribal Headhunters to what can be described as a British heavy metal band that really needs no introduction to anyone familiar with rock of various categories and genres. We're talking about Iron Maiden and they too use skull iconography which not true to life but is really more over the top. and heavily stylized Yannick Gers spoke to us some time ago rather some years ago about the album they had just recorded then called Book of Souls and uh, there were some interesting takeaways from that with regard to their recording process uh, how they like playing live and a lot more so over to Mr Gers and i hope i pronounced that right what keeps the band going well i, I just think we love what we do you know i think we kind of we, we play our music that we love and okay. um we, we're always trying to break down boundaries and change the musical uh, avenues that we travel um it's always going to sound like i made it which okay. is album does okay but it's always going to have new avenues and new passages we're always trying to do different things within the framework of what okay. we do as a band Okay. And I think the long ever thing I think we're very honest that I think we, we just play what we like we don't do it for fashion we don't do it for trends mm-hmm. we just do what we do and I think there's an honesty in that okay. and I think because we change the music constantly with our albums and we we kind of every album is a statement of where the band is and that's just the fact okay. we're very organic we we grow the music grows and I think that's why we pick up new audiences we pick up younger audiences as we travel through time we don't just rely on the old songs okay uh, so th- that's part of the long term it's kind yeah, of it's, it's important that you mention that because you know the fact that you don't rely on the you don't rely on the on the old catalog uh as opposed to some other bands that have had just rehashed their past hits of course fans love that but um it's very important not to become a parody you know to go out and be what we were in the eighties. It's great to play those songs. It's very exciting to play them. Yeah. But we also have great new songs yeah. that we want to play. And it's very important if you put an album out to go out and find play a lot of those songs. Mm-hmm. So we're never going to be kind of just goes out and just one song. We do the odd retrospective tour where we go out and play the old songs. But when we have an album out, we come out and we play a lot of songs off the new album. Yeah. And that's about growing the band's organic it grows it gets better it changes you know it's always going to be sounding like maybe but that's how we sound we're not produced by a producer that changes our sound we yeah. have the sound yeah. but you mentioned uh, that it's, it's organic what we always keep no i'm sorry so? please please go ahead please go ahead i just think that we do what we honestly believe in and we just be pretty honest and straight about it and what you get is what you see you know we're not we're not It's not pretending to be the thing with the album sound and this is the music that we play. Yeah. And and you mentioned that you know as a band you'll keep changing but some things have remained the same. 
over the years. The fact is that there's a certain uniformity in quality. Uh, when fans come for an Iron Maiden gig, they know what they're going to get. Um, so how do you yes, balance yes. the old and the new? In terms of That's the playlist, exactly, you, know? you know, the songs that you're playing. I, I think what we're trying to do is, is trying to please everybody, but you can't play all of the songs. You've got to choose, you know, you've got to choose wisely. Yeah. And uh, it's important to get the new songs across, but it's also important to give people what they want as well from the old uh, songs. Okay. So we try and mix it up a bit. Okay. And um, we try to give the best concert that we can possibly give every time. Absolutely. So the energy that you all put out on, on the live stage, how do you how do you reproduce that in the studio? I mean, would you or rather, let me put it this way: Would you call Iron Maiden more of a live band or more of a studio band with you know experimentation? When we go in the studio, what what we try to do in the studio, and what we did on this album, mm -hmm. is that we we find a studio big enough to set up as a live uh -huh. situation. So we go in and we play in together. So okay. we have the drums in there, we have the guitars in there, we have everybody in there. Okay. And we're trying to record as much of it live as we can, and that gives it an immediacy and a spontaneity. Okay. It makes it feel like it's live. Um, you know, you're in a studio, and it is in a live situation, but you try to make it as live as possible. Okay. And, uh, because we play together, you know, it, it, we, we actually play together and try and get the backing track of the songs as much as live as, as we possibly can. Okay. And uh, that's one of the ways we try and keep feeling there. That's what we did on the new album. We, we, we went in together in Green Town, where we did Brave New World uh, all those years ago, and had a great feel, okay. had a great live feel in there. And we just kind of played a lot of the songs as live as possible. Yeah. And what we did is we, we tried to write the songs in the studio this time, which we've never done before. Okay. So that, that was a different approach from our point of view. Okay. Okay. So when it comes to um, the band's collective approach to recording, to putting down tracks, uh, what do you what, what do you lay down first? I mean, is it does it usually start with the bass and the rhythm section, or do you, or is it a little more melodic in terms of? Uh, no, no. We, we, what, what we do is we, we get together and we kind of, you know, get the song worked out in a, a, as close as possible, and then we go for it live. All of us, okay. we play live and we take it live. Okay. And then uh, we try to get as much of it as we can. Okay. And then obviously we can overdub bits later on if we want, but. But the more you get live, the more feeling it's going to be, the more spontaneous it's going to be on the album. Yeah. Sometimes it, 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 it's very easy because if you play guitar and yeah. you overdub it, yeah. and then you listen back, yeah. it, it, it has a different feel to the one that was on there, the original track. Okay. Um, and even if you play with somebody else, so you want to put an extra guitar on, sometimes you might play with somebody else. Because when the both of you are playing, it makes you play different. It gives you an extra bit of edge. Yeah. Um, so that sometimes you know you put the guitars down together. Yeah. Because when we're together, you play different than if we played by ourselves. Okay. So so the guitars generally are at the top mostly. Yeah, well, no, we, we record everything. Okay. Together. Okay. Okay. Um, what what was what, you know when it comes to experimentation? I mean. How do you kind of look at creative experimentation in the studio, you know, with effects, things like that? You Do you believe a lot well, in that, for example, you know, something a little more progressive? We talk to them if you want them, but what we try to do is enhance the songs. So we look at the songs, what what we need. Okay. Um, and if you want to effect on it, you can always add them later, or you can go back with the guitar and change the effect if you want. Um, but what, what, 
they're not there just for the effect, they're there to enhance the music. Yeah. So if you need an effect on there, you know, you, you, I think a lot of people use effects just because they can. I, I think what it has to do is enhance the song. It's like the solo, the solo of the guitar has to enhance that part of the song and lift the song to a new level. Okay. And it's the same with effects, it's a tweet with the music. Okay. So looking back at Iron Maiden's vast catalogue, vast catalogue, what are your, say, I mean, I know it's a little hard to pick, but any of any of the songs that you keep going back to, songs that... Well, you know, I, I enjoy playing them all, and I, I think each song is of its time. I, I think every album is basically the standpoint of where you were at that time, and, um, you, you know, you don't really go back too much and yeah. go to it. I'm, I'm personally looks forward a lot, to be honest. Um, from a live point of view, I probably enjoy playing Hallow or Bilanin because I think that kind of crystallizes what Maiden's about. Yeah. Um, but I, I generally look forward, not backwards. I'm, you know, I'm looking at new songs and how they're going to work out. Okay. Um, you couldn't really pick. It's like picking a child. If you feel the child isn't one, you, you love all your children. And you're looking for different reasons. And you know, so so that, that basically to me is... Um, how I think about Maiden music, I love it all, and I enjoy playing it all. Really. That's amazing, and you know, which brings us to the the, the thing, uh, you know, imagery, Vic, and so on. Uh, imagery has been a big part of Iron Maiden's music. Uh, yes, I imagery, agree. The artwork, it's kind of different. I mean, you know, you don't really find a lot of bands these days that have such a recognizable mascot, have such a recognizable visual appeal. So, what do you have to say about that? I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think a lot of our songs are based around imagery. You know, and it's kind of boys' own stuff. Uh, you know, we talk about everything really. Yeah. And uh, the, the band does have a lot of imagery about it, and I, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. It also means we can use Eddie as opposed to having our pictures on there, and yeah. it gives us a bit of anonymity, so that we can go out and we can do all the things. Uh, Yannick, just one last question about your guitar technique. What is it that you hold closest to your heart? What advice would you have to give there? Because a lot of people, a lot of bands, a lot of amateur bands that actually look towards your songs and always, among the first songs they learn are Iron Maiden songs. So what do you have to say about your technique? Well, the te my te personal technique? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, you know, if you're asking me what I would say to kids who play and just keep on practicing and play what you enjoy and uh, play as much as possible and and basically just enjoy it, enjoy it for the playing and okay. um, practice a lot.